On this special episode of Progressive Palaver, the group talks to Joe Bailey. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this special episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Paul Zotter and Ken Gregory as we welcome Joe Bailey to talk about his new release, Ghosts. All right, Joe, welcome back to the Palaver. This time, as a solo artist, we've had you on before, obviously, with, with Mark Anthony Kay to talk about the Dark Monarchy, but now we're, we're here to talk specifically about your latest um, release, Ghost. I'm very excited, so welcome back. Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so like I said, this is the first time we've gotten to, to specifically talk about a, a Joe Bailey release, and... Um, what this is your sixth full album is that right or is it is that that's right, right yeah. yeah yeah so your sixth full album and uh you, you've you've slowed down i guess you didn't slow down because you had the dark <laughs> the dark monarchy in 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 2020 um but you've been popping them out you know one a year ever since what 2015 at this point walk us through um maybe a little bit or introduce us to this album what this album sort of means to you what is there any sort of you know impetus is it impacted by the the global pandemic situation what what's it what's ghosts mean to joe bailey well it, it certainly was impacted by the, the pandemic it like you said i've had an album every year and this album was supposed to continue in that fashion but um when the pandemic hit and everything everything went everything went to hell. So I, I could, I couldn't do anything and because the idea was to get all the artwork done and then do a, an accompanying video to sort of like accompany the release or around the release of the, of the album. And then we couldn't, we couldn't get it done. So it unfortunately, um, went on the back burner for a short while. Mm. Yeah. yeah fascinating. The material I was looking in Bandcamp is credited as starting in 2019 and ending in an early 2020. So you literally just kind of had it all done and had to, to freeze what you were doing with it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was all written and recorded by, by mid 2020. I, I, um, I remastered it just a couple of weeks shortly before I uh, released it just to give it a fresher feel in my ears more than anything else. Cause um, when it was, when you're sitting on it for that long, it sort it started to sort of, I don't know, feel a bit sour to me after the whole situation. So I wanted to just make it sound a bit more pleasing to my own ears. Is that often a case like for your other releases? Do you, are there things that you wish you would go back and, and could have done differently? Or was there just something about this specific situation that, that led you to maybe revisit this? I think it was more more specific to this. Um, I mean, if you know, if I could go back in time, there's obviously there's a lot of things I would do differently on the earlier albums, but for, for this album particularly, yeah, I think just the whole situation was, you know, we, we made plans and then it, we had to cancel them. And then it was, you know, it, was, it, it looked like there was going to be like a glimmer of hope and then we'd make more plans and then we'd have to cancel them again. So it was just, it got to the point where I was just sick of it all. So 
Giving, giving it that remaster was uh, the, the sparkle, you know, the re, a re-sparkle for me anyway. Oh, I think there was a silver lining there. Joe mentioned the Dark Monarchy. So it's not as if you weren't productive as an artist. You, you collaborated with uh, our friend Mark Anthony Kay, and you were able to produce an entirely different project during that fallow period, right? Yeah. Um, I can't remember when whether I'd already had ghosts written or not i think i was writing them a, a long time uh, alongside each other so yeah getting the dark monarchy because we got the dark monarchy photo shoots done like it was about a week before we went into lockdown so it, so yeah it was mm-hmm. um it was a good outlet for, for I, me the dark monarchy <laughs> i just i just have to say i just have to point out Joe Bailey is a pro. Like he is using a pop filter uh, in front of his mic. It appears, at least. Yes. So yes, that's, that's correct. Because <laughs> like it always, because I, it always, I always have problems this with was, the mic. The greatest sounding podcast <laughs> of all time. It's going through a compressor as well. Oh, very nice. Right. Very nice. So, so, um, Joe, one thing you know, because we, we've talked to you before, but I don't know that we've ever gotten the full backstory of Joe Bailey. Um, I was hoping today we could spend a little time just hearing about like how you got started in music, how you got started on this year by year release and, you know, some of the background of, of who you are as an artist and how you came to be. Yeah, that, that's cool. So um, I was, I grew up in a very musical family. My mother was, and still is to a degree, a, a dancer, um, she's a very, very good dancer and she's very musical. My dad played in like a boys brigade band, you know, playing the bugle and a snare drum and things like that. And then all, I've got three sisters and the four of us all um, learned piano from a very um, early age. And then when I hit around 12, I didn't want to play the piano anymore. So I went over to the bass and then that was the trigger for me really. I mean, I, I wrote songs when I was, when I was, I wrote my first song when I was eight and it was awful <laughs> to be honest but that sort of gave me the bug and then when i started playing the bass that's when i really started um writing songs properly i had like a, a couple of little projects in high school and stuff like that um trying to think and then so before i released the debut album i was i was recording albums at home i think i recorded about five maybe six albums just for the hell of it really and then i give them to a couple of close close friends and and that was it and then it was wasn't until the end comes too late when I thought well why am I just hiding this music I might as well put it out there and and see how people react and yeah the rest is history that's very nice and and along the way you've you've uh, assembled a small collection of guitars basses and uh various uh keyboards and and uh I, I I love the instrumentation that you have. Um, I mean, I love it all all across, and 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 I think it really stands out in some of the tracks in, in Ghosts. And um, uh, we can get a little bit more in depth, but I am curious about how that all comes together. I'm I'm very I'm always curious about the process, Joe. Right? Like, I really I'm really interested to know like when you put these songs together, and especially you know I think with your music more than than um, than most there's you know there's themes that kind of intertwine there's um there's time there's there's little melodies that end up on in the keyboard during the during the uh the the chorus or the verses and then at the end it comes back and you're like yes this is familiar I, i've heard this before so I'm, I'm curious how that all 
comes together for you, like how, like pretty much how you put these pieces together. Like, does it start with melody? Do you do you mostly write on bass and then add other things? I'm just curious about how how you put it all together. Um, so my writing process is is a bit strange, really. I I don't write on the guitar or the bass. I so normally I have like I I get melodies that come into my head during the say if I'm at work or something, and then. I'll be like, oh, that's good. So I'll, I'll go and find somewhere so I can record it into my phone, just sing it into my phone. And then, oh. and then throughout the day, then that, that melody will spur on other melodies and riffs. So then by the end of the day, I've got a pretty much half a song in audio format of me singing into my phone. So then when I get home, I, I, I use Guitar Pro to write, to write everything down. Um, I've yeah. told a few people this, and they look at me like I'm like I'm crazy. Like, how the hell do you write songs on guitar, bro? But um, that's how I do it. And so I write that melody, and then I'll choose the chords to accompany it, and then it just it just goes from there. I, I very rarely use my guitar to wow. to write with, and then I normally, you know, play the work out the guitar parts later on once all the orchestration and all the uh, keys and drums are done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's brilliant. I love works it. for me. Nice. Yeah. And do you do a lot of like, I, I, like, I'm, I'm sorry to, to, to get distracted with this. Do you do a lot of like, uh, mixing around and, and, and like, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to use cut and paste lightly, but do you ever like, or, you know, do you think, boy, I wonder this section, I'll just cut this out and put it over here and see, see how it is. Yeah. Um, or is, does it all kind of come together in your head and you're like, you know, exactly what, what you want. No, I do a lot of a lot of um, cutting and pasting. Sometimes there'll be an entire section in a song that I will remove and move to a, a different part of the song because it sounds better there. Yeah, I, nice. I just I just work <laughs> with whatever works. And then sometimes if I've got a string line, I will move it onto a copy onto another track and then put an arpeggiator with it. And then there'll be about five or six tracks of the same MIDI file, all with different instruments playing cool. it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I love the way it all comes together. It's it's um always very melodic and very full. And uh, I definitely dig that. You you seem to be very confident in the final product. I mean, do you ever get into an analysis or a paralysis by analysis situation where you're moving things around too much and you're just like, well, what if I did this and, and it like never ends? Or do you get to a point where it just kind of settles into what you you feel is the right spot? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't tend to move things around too much. Um, sometimes I will, more, more so, I will just remove a section if I feel it goes on for too long. I'll just say, well, that's just too much, so I'll remove that, get rid of it. And but it's, it's, it comes together quite, quite naturally and quite easily for me. Um, I don't know, I've been writing songs for so long. It just, it's just, it's just second nature. So he, he can't he can't meander too long because he's on a pretty aggressive release schedule. He, he is on a pretty <laughs> he is on a pretty aggressive release schedule. But I, I do you brought up something there, and and I feel I have to explicitly compliment you because as I was spending time with with this release, um, you know, in preparation for this and and, and becoming familiar with it, you, you seem very very adept at letting things you know, letting themes or sections go on long enough, but not too long. At the Palaver, we call it the Dave Kersner principle. He, he, he once was on our show and he said, you know, if something's cooking, let it cook. And, and I, I think you're really good at letting things cook the right amount of time. I, I, 
I never had an experience where I was like, yeah, this this was great, but I really want to go on to the next thing. Uh, you know, by the time it, it just it all feels right. So I, I just want to compliment you on, on the way that you do set those up. I think you're very good at it. Thank you. And that, that's, that boils back down to what I was saying before. Like sometimes I will write things that just go on for far too long. So I will just then listen back to it and say, well, I'm getting rid of that fourth repeat or whatever you know i I don't know that every artist has the ability to do that joe so (laughs) (laughs) well joe i I want to jump on the bandwagon with with um uh, paul and joe beauclair like i i believe that after this many albums and all the skills that you developed you could be doing string arrangements and production you know beyond your personal stuff and you did with dark monarchy and you could even jump into other genres i believe so uh you know we, we we've all been digging into music for years in this podcast and years before that and it's it, it's a real delight for us to to hear what you do above and beyond a lot of solo artists i've often thought of um maybe submitting music in for like you know just make a portfolio of orchestral music and and get it going but i, I just never never get far enough i'm always too busy writing my albums or dark monarchy or whatever <laughs> <laughs> just, there's that aggressive my release brain schedule. never shuts off yeah yeah <laughs> right. right joe one of the one of the things we we talk a lot about on progressive palaver is it's uh, this concept of soundtrack dissonance yes um it come it comes into play. So um, Tom, who I don't I don't think you've met, it does a lot of work in movies and sound design, and, and I think he sort of tipped us off to this. And and it's when you know you have a certain mood of a film or a topic that maybe is um, uh, dark and or or um, you know uh, I'll just say dark or negative. And you have sort of a soundtrack that goes along with it. That's the opposite, right? It's like sort of um, pleasant and um, and happy. And it and it really struck me that uh, soundtrack dissonance is very present in River of Spite, um, yes. one of my favorite tracks from from this record. It's very heavy lyrics, right? It's it's you know it's very poignant to to today. But I can't help but but feel a certain level of joy. Um, as I listen to the melody, because it, it it is more of a you know a major modal kind of uh, harmony or, or or melody that that just evokes like really positive feelings. So there's that there's that very nice um, contrast. And I'm curious a little bit about that song. Was that something that you purposely put in, or you just had a good melody and you use the lyrics? Um, curious about like how you put. River spiked together, given the the poignancy of the lyrics that you chose there. Um, so the music was was written first. I, I don't know, even know where it came from. I think I, at the point of that of writing that stuff, I was listening to a lot of um, Flying Colors and a lot mm. of and a lot of Flower Kings. So I think that was what heavily inspired the music in that song. And that lyrically, I, I tend to write miserable things really <laughs> I, don't, I, don't write, I don't write happy lyrics so it, it's i had to put lyrics to this song and that was that was how i was feeling on that particular day so i i think it kind of works i mean it's kind of it's got kind of a little back and forth i think with a major feel and then it goes quite sort of dark sounding and yeah. in, in part, parts of it as well so yeah it just came together like that I, i'm very curious here um in terms of just 
miserable influences that bring us joy. Uh, one theme on on the progressive palaver, one theme for that is Marillion clutching at straws. But for you personally, can you think of a, a, a more classic album that, that is miserable, but simultaneously brings you absolute joy? God, there's, there's probably hundreds of them. I, <laughs> I, I can think of a particular band, um, and that would be My Dying Bride, who... Um, I'm a huge fan of, but they are like one of the most miserable bands you'll ever listen to. But I, I just love them. I, I can listen to them whenever so that they bring me joy in that way. <laughs> <laughs> My dying bride will have to, we'll have to dig into that. <laughs> yeah, It's not, they're not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but, but totally on board it. And, and to Ken's point, yeah, we, we, we certainly understand that feeling of, of getting joy from things that are just absolutely bleak and uh, paul i'm glad you brought up the the soundtrack dissonance on river of spite because i was thinking very much the same thing um as i was listening to that and and you know it's it's fun in a certain way when when you're when your brain starts getting these sort of conflicting inputs and and you're kind of torn on which way to go but i think even beyond that the overall the 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 texture and diversity of River of Spite is really quite remarkable. Um, you know, the, the, I just, I like the way it flows through and, and like when you have the, the piano and orchestration um, that comes in, the solo section just totally kicks ass. I mean, everything about that song, it really does go a lot of different places. So I'm glad that came up explicitly. Yeah, the um, I th- and I think because I was listening to the songs out of order, I think, but I think in the record, it's the first appearance of like the choir, um, or the choral vocalist. Um, did you first? Did you get someone to sing it, or is that a, is that sort of a program, uh, choral like sound like on on River of Spice? Yeah, there's like uh, I think there's a couple tracks where you have there's like a, a almost like a operatic singer type yeah. in the background sort of yeah on uh, rat race on, on, at the end of rat race is a female that's a that's a sample library that is okay yeah, that's, that's amazing cool. <laughs> that's, yeah that's pretty cool and and i there are a couple of tracks where like i especially in headphones just kind of like really enjoyed the vocal mix and the different the different things that you have happening in the vocals and in the single waiting uh, I don't know if you're you're doing any sort of mechanical trickery with the vocals in that one, or yep. if you're just you're changing your voice. But but I'm curious about some of your um your approach to you know n- not like vocals, like how you record them, and then also like how you mix them in the in the overall sonic uh, window that we hear. As far as recording goes, I record everything in here. I've got acoustic panels that I stick up, and I've got um, condenser mic, and it's. It's, it's a really, really simple setup. It goes through a compressor and then into my into my Behringer interface. And then with regards to the actual mixing side of things, I don't know what else to say. Uh, compression, EQ, um, and then a bit of light delay. I very rarely use reverb on vocals because I just think it, it muddies everything up. I'd, yeah. I'd much, much rather use delay. In, in waiting, that was a plug-in by Antares called Avox, and it's it's it pitch shifts some of the signal, but then some of the original signal still sticks in there as well. It, I wanted it to be like that. I had that exact plugin in mind when I wrote the sort of 
beginning of that song. Yeah. It's it's massively inspired by um, well, Frost in general, really, because Jem uses a lot of that. I, th- I presume it's that plugin that he uses, actually, but he uses okay. a lot of sounds like that, particularly on the Million Town album as well. And, right. and we have to point out for our listeners on audio that Joe Bailey is wearing a Frost shirt as he's speaking to us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am a, a bit obsessed with the band, I must admit. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm just starting to to uh, get, you know, broached into exploring Frost. Oh, you won't, you won't be disappointed. They're Much amazing. delayed. Much delayed. Yeah, I. so uh, talk a little bit about uh, waiting because... When that single came out, I mean, I think I even made a comment, a silly comment on your uh, Bandcamp page. I was um, enthralled with the rhythmic play with that opening melody. And I'm, pr- I'm sure that I characterize it incorrectly uh, musically. I don't know if it's a quarter note triplet or what the deal is, but I love that kind of stuff. For some reason, when I heard, when I heard the single, I was like, wow, this is, this is Joe Bailey to a T, yet it seems like it's breaking new ground. Is that... Is, am I right about that? Is it, was it a kind of a, a a different direction for you with with all of that? Yeah, I've I've um, I've dabbled with um, ex- like uh, electronic sounds, obviously, but I, th- I think that I don't know, that, that whole intro. I don't I don't even know where it came from. It just it just sort of uh, was flowing as I was writing it, and then I can't I can't even describe what I was what I was thinking when I was writing it, and then I thought once I got to that last part of like the pre-chorus i thought i'm gonna have to do something heavy here because it can't go on like this and then i thought i'll, I'll do i did that big pitch shift and then it went bang into it and I thought, yeah, yeah yeah totally works yeah mm. it, i think it's one of those songs where you know it, it sort of develops this delicious tension throughout until you get to that that heavy section that kind of releases some of that so it's oh it's absolutely delightful and and it's- and the way the album is tracked you know the the first three songs, it, it's it's wonderful because they're they're diverse yet consistent. Like I I feel like I have a a pretty clear idea of who Joe Bailey as an artist is, but at the same time, you know you're you're sort of exploring the corners of the box, as I like to say. And so was it when you tracked the album out? Was it was it deliberate to sort of get a, a sort of a broad spectrum in those first three or i mean how did you think about that uh, yeah it was most mostly deliberate i always knew haunted house was going to be the opener and i always knew i always knew ghosts was going to be the ending we're, we're going to talk about haunted house so <laughs> okay um, and then i thought with with um the, the way it was I, I thought the first two tracks were sort of like not typical, but they were very much uh, me sounding. And mm-hmm. then I thought, I'll, then to break the album up, I put waiting, and then a very unusual abracadabra, and then finish it with more songs that sound more like me. Okay. So I think I think I think it was it was mostly deliberate. Yeah, cool. You know, if we're going to go back to you know, delighting in 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 dark and dreary things, haunted house is just it. Joe Bailey, I felt like you wrote it for me. It's absolutely, <laughs> absolutely wonderful. I I am obsessed with, you know, with haunted houses, first of all. So that just the name kind of resonates with me. But the the lyrics for this, when we talk to you, you seem like a really happy, well-adjusted kind of guy. But to your by your own admission, you don't write happy lyrics. And and these lyrics, you know, they're 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 pretty rough. Um, a, a life um, 
being defined by the wrong decisions. I mean, that's just, that's some heavy duty, um, introspection. Um, and, and, and what's, what I find interesting about this is the way that you set this up and it, you know, it has, it has this sort of heavy yet spooky feel to it, right? I mean, it, literally, the music sounds spooky, as if you're in a haunted house, which is great. Yeah. And and it it sort of has this feel like you can't ever get out, right? Like every time you try to to do the 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 right thing, it just doesn't work out. And every sort of lyric cue that you give builds this this image of just a derelict, rundown, miserable, scary place. And it's very effective. But at the same time, it is, a, for me, a absolutely delightful song to listen to. I mean, it just, it, it comes across like everything is, is absolutely broken. And like one of the thing, I love the wrong and the right sections that I guess you'd call that the chorus where it really just kind of kicks into overdrive. And yeah. you just feel like you're like you're, you're, it's almost you know if we're going to extend this metaphor or I guess a simile, it's it's like that you've you've been spooked and you're now running down the hallway like ah, but but what really really hit me um, is the the line when I think I found the right track we pick the crumbling tarmac and and it just that line right there just communicates like this sense of hopelessness. And, and I'm smiling ear to ear as I'm saying this because it sounds terrible to, to say, but musically, I think it's delightful. So, you know, I, I, I don't know if you have any specific thoughts on, on Haunted House or, you know, or anything else, but I, I just needed to gush about that a little bit. <laughs> That's cool. So, yeah, it is, it is a bit bleak. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a personal song, but it, 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 it's kind of about lots of things it's basically how one or two really stupid or bad decisions can can drastically change the way your life is afterwards and how even you know even though you try and get through things it's, it's always it's always there in the background and it can it always affects the way you the way your life is and um, and like the, the haunted house theme was was the, the name Haunted House was actually inspired by the music, which is okay. unusual. Awesome. Yeah, because particularly the seven, eight section in the middle, the, uh, the fiddle and pin, fiddle and pin, that, that bit. Yeah, that was, I can imagine, like I was talking to somebody on, on another podcast and he said, I can imagine a, a skeleton yeah. playing, playing <laughs> exactly, a piano. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lyrically, it's just, it's just about how some bad decisions can really affect going forward in, in life and, that's pretty much. That's pretty much it. There isn't any any happy ending to that song. No, um, there, there doesn't seem to be. But it, it's still a great song. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think writing lyrics like that is how I stay so happy and well adjusted, like you say, because it, it, <laughs> it, it gets it out on the page for me. Yeah. Well, Joe, I I, I did concentrate on the lyrics, particularly in Abracadabra and the following song, Rat Race, and. and particularly Abacadabra, but, but also somewhat Rat Race, maybe sounds slightly different melodically and takes us to a different place. And you just alluded to that earlier. It, it sounds like Abracadabra takes some introspection into organized religion. I don't know if you're comfortable commenting on that. And Rat Race, I, I'd love to hear 
how the masking of the face and how, how that all developed for you lyrically. Uh, with Abracadabra, you're, you're right about it is about religion. Uh, it's not, it's not in the past I have made little slight digs at religion generally. I, w I was brought up a Catholic. It was, it was rammed down my throat for a long time. I've written in, on previous albums about that. And I've also, I think I might have even written about it in the Dark Monarchy. With Abracadabra, it's actually a song about um, faith and about my inability to believe in God and or believe in a higher power, um, even though I would very much like to, and sort of talk about how how envious, almost envious I am of other people for having that sort of faith. Um, that comes through, yes, in the lyrics. Yeah. Where you, you, where, where we almost see other people having fun, and we wish we would have the same fun. <laughs> yeah, so so. Yeah. <laughs> it All also right, well, is one of your shorter offerings, Joe. Uh, yeah, less than five I, I minutes, I, I believe. Which is, I don't think I've ever released a song that that, that short <laughs> in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't need to be any longer than that. I don't think it. it, it, it I wrapped it up perfectly. I think it's perfect timing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I cool. said, I, I, I took a liking to Rat Race. It's got some twists and turns that I wasn't sure if it was a corporate story or a personal story or, or the two intertwined. Yeah, it's, it's probably a bit of both. Um, it's, it's probably the only song on here that's sort of li linked to the whole coronavirus, the pandemic. I know I, I wrote a lot about this on the first Dark Monarchy album. Um, so I, didn't, I, was, I was consciously trying not to write about it on this album uh, but I, this one um i just had to um, i work in a in a shop so i'm surrounded by lots of people on a daily basis and i see it day to day that particularly when all of this began anyway the sort of lack of um care for people at work that were working in the shops is like just barge past you like you, you're not even there so that's pretty much what that whole song is about like sort of like we're invisible because you know you want what you want and you'll get it with regardless of whether we're there or not so it was just a, a dig at general humanity really very powerful indeed <laughs> i mean i mean i mean well i mean the, the pandemic was, was a time more than other where it was clear that some of us uh were you know, in the line of fire and some of us weren't and, and some folks didn't have to work at all. So oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, I think that tune captures that emotion pretty well. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to be bitter or anything, you know, um, I, you know, I'm in this job and that's, that is my job and other people's jobs are different, but you know, just, just a little bit of respect is, would help things, you know, and it, it doesn't seem like too much to ask for, right. You know, exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> It's common decency, isn't it? All right, so I want to I want to jump to ghosts if I if I can, Joe. And okay. I'm just gonna read. So this was like the, you know, in my first listen through, I was like, wait a second, I'm rewinding to listen to this part again. So I just want to read you the lyrics and then just ask you, like, go ahead and talk about it. So, and they will grow into that clone of you, and they will build the world you dragged them through. And where are they now? Ghosts at your table, where are they now? Like, please. <laughs> okay, so this this song, um, I'm pretty sure most people would say that listening to it is not not what they think it was about. 
it's it's about um, sort of parents who are neglectful of their children. Um, I was particularly talking about celebrity parents who sort of drag their kids through all sorts of crap in order to get their face on the front of the magazine and things like that. So it was the ghosts at the table. Um, at the end, anyway, was the ghosts of the kids. Like, they're not there for you anymore because you weren't there for them when they needed you. That's how a song ends. It opens up with ghosts at your table, so referring to the, the kids as ghosts to the parent because, you know, they're not, they're not the number one priority here. So, yeah, it's a bit heavy, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. It's sensational, though. Uh, and there is, there is a musical part of this that, is, that evokes, like, ghosts as well. Very, very, very much. Um, as soon as you hear it, you're like, yes, this sounds like ghosts. This sounds like a ghost theme. Yeah. The little wobbly synth bit. Yeah. It? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think this is my favorite. It's definitely my favorite on the album. I think it, as far as songs go, it's got everything in it that sums me up as, a, as an artist. I think it's got every aspect of my music in one piece. And also, I think uh, musically, uh, sorry, not musically, vocally, it's my one of my best performances, certainly the best on the album. And lyrics, the lyrics are, I'm really happy with the lyrics. Yeah. I, on a, as a whole on this album, actually, I'm really, really pleased with the way the lyrics turned out with this one. Yeah, yeah, kudos, for sure. <laughs> so when, when you, you said, um, when you were describing the process and you described how you have, you know, a, a melody or a line will come into your head, you'll sort of record it, you know, vocally onto your phone, and then you'll build that. At what point do do the lyrics then come into play? And do like do you work on discrete songs, or are the music ideas coming, and then you have to sort of work on the lyric idea afterwards? How does all that fit together? I normally write a series of pieces of music. Normally got about 15, 16 tracks, and then I will narrow it down to the ones that I think are the best. So in this case, I chose six of them. And then once all all my tracks are chosen, then I will write the lyrics wow. for them afterwards. So so the lyric writing sort of happens in, in a in a focused sort of area. And I guess that that probably manifests itself in, in some of these themes that we talked about earlier, right? Because your, yeah. your brain's in a particular place at that point in time. I always, I always structure the music in a way that, so I know where the, the vocals are going to go, but I never really think of the, the uh, melodies until shortly before I start writing the lyrics. A couple ancillary aspects to this. You know, and and one of the things, you know, being a progressive rock podcast, the the visual component of music is a big, big portion, you know, whether it's, you know, Pink Floyd and, and Hypnosis or Yes and Roger Dean, you have your your visual counterpart, if you will. Um, yeah. So do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about that relationship and, and the, the images for this release as in, in specific? Um, Steve Holland is the guy who does all my artwork. I've known him since I was four years old. So we've oh, been, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we've been best friends for a long time. Um, and he's always taken an interest in, in my music. And he's always, I, for the first two albums, I just took some um, free stock images for them and just edited them a bit. And, that was it. At that point, it wasn't really a, a big thing for me. And then 
when I was in the process of writing Nightingales, he said, well, why don't you let me do this album cover? You, you know, I can do stuff like that. So just let me have a go at it. So I gave him some lyrical ideas and he came back with that Nightingale cover. Yeah. It was amazing. So I was like, that's awesome. And then he got into photo- photography after that as well. So then he wanted to do proper pictures of me, not just promotional shots, but have me, you know, on the album covers and stuff like that. So it's just a, a, a a professional relationship as as well as a you know being best mates and 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 having you know having known each other for for so long and and being best friends do you feel that enhances then the the relationship like Steve gets you right and yeah. and understands what you're trying to communicate and is able to to manifest that for you do you, is that how you feel or yeah completely he he sometimes it's like he can read my mind <laughs> yeah as soon as he comes up with these ideas i'm like yes perfect i don't even i don't even need to, him to edit anything or anything it's just you know sort of you do your thing i know it's going to be good now was it his idea to have you walk along the beach with a a, a green screen on your face too yes that was his idea yes <laughs> it was really really hard to see through <laughs> yeah. i was wondering it's such a cool effect and then when i saw you know you have, you post a picture of that on um on your Bandcamp page, and I was like, "Damn, that must have been really uncomfortable." <laughs> <laughs> there was one part where where he was taking a couple of shots for the video, and there was a couple having doing their morning run past in the background. And the guy, <laughs> the guy just shouts, "Oh my god, he's got a green screen on his face!" <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, "Shut up, you're being dead loud." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was fun to say to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so when when steve comes to you with an idea like this he's like hey let's let's go to the beach first thing in the morning i'm gonna put this green screen on your face are you like absolutely let's do it or are you kind of like really <laughs> <laughs> yeah a bit of both really I, I trust him i trust him so um it's 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 a yes we'll do that but uh what the hell? <laughs> so when, when when he described what he was looking for, were were you able to visualize it, or did you have to wait until he provided you the the final image and you said, "Oh, that's you know," like again, you say you trust him, but I mean, how far do you trust him at at, at the early stages? Well, he he said he goes, "You just need to put this green mask on because." I'm going to project images on your face in the video. And I, that was pretty much, I was sold on that already. I thought okay. it's going to look so cool. So I will, I'm willing to go through this for that. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Uh, and at any point where you at risk for falling backwards into the water as the picture would appear. Um, I, I stood in one place. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was directing me. He's like, "Don't move any further back. Come <laughs> 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 <I'm> forward a bit." <laughs> and I like it when, again, there's there's a strong visual component to go along with a very strong musical identity as well. And I, I think you've you've certainly achieved that here with Steve. So I'm glad that that your friendship has manifested in something that seems to to work so well together. Yeah, he's he's got a good brain for that sort of visual side of things and this um he's because the ghost album um jump, jump in the gun here but it's, it's going to be released on cd as well so he's done all the artwork for the digipack and the book booklet and everything and it looks it looks fantastic oh really awesome, awesome. yeah Wonderful. i can't wait to see it yeah. so I'm, I'm glad that came up because you know i'm i'm very 
keen personally to get my hands on the uh, the, the the physical copy. So, do we have timing for the the CD version and and when that's going to be released? Not fully. Um, Mark is going to be releasing a post about it next week for okay. pre-order, just, just to set up the pre-order for it. Um, but we've been we've been in touch with um, Train Records, who he uses, and they're they're all given it the go-ahead and everything so it's just a matter of you know getting the funds together through the pre-order and then yeah so it shouldn't be too long it'd be a few months i reckon awesome mm. well we should celebrate this arrangement i mean uh from what i understand this beyond dark monarchy is the first time joe bailey as a solo artist is uh, working through Rificult records so essentially yeah. you have an arrangement with with, with the record label that's a cause for a celebration Yes. Yeah, it was, yeah it, it was, yeah, it was discussing, um, cause Mark, Mark always said he would help me out getting the CDs done. Cause I've, I've never bothered with CDs in the past because I've never thought that I've had a, you know, a big enough following to warrant getting them done. And then he said he'd help me. Obviously he's helped me a lot anyway, promoting my music and obviously the dark monarchies helped a lot as well. And then I, I just mentioned to him when he was talking about, helping me get the CDs done. I was like, it'd be nice if we could maybe put the Reficle Records logo on the back of it and put it as like a release. And he was like, well, I was actually going to talk to you about talk to you about this. <laughs> <laughs> and then within that day, I had a Reficle Records um, agreement contract through in my emails, all sorted. <laughs> well, it, it sounds very mutually beneficial to both you and Mark. So congratulations. Yeah, he's he's helped me helped me out a lot. Um, I mean, just this release of Ghosts alone has been for the, for the first week has been more successful than any of the other albums I've done. So it's it's been great. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, you deserve it. Good good work there. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so the whole Reficle Records thing was the 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 second aspect I was going to bring in. So Ken. Way to uh, way to follow the cues, my friend. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean you know, and, and and that's you know that's that's one of the connections. Obviously, we met you through Mark, and and the I mean the first time that we we came across you was your work with Project Gemini, and and yep. then that led obviously to to the Dark Monarchy, and and I guess. Ken, when I don't even remember when it was we were talking with Mark. Um, oh, it was it was for the um, he had asked us to do a little something for the fifth year anniversary of an ordinary day, and you had brought up the idea that he should branch out into into label management and things like that. And boom, a couple of weeks later, we we get the uh, we get we get the information that hey, I just signed Joe Bailey. So that was that was perfect. We were really happy for you, Joe, because again, I you know. We think that your music is is great and deserves this broader audience. So wonderful! I, I was hoping to dove, dovetail into the just the world of fantasy beyond the, the existing reality. If if you two weren't on different continents and and if you were you know performing live and if these things were not logistically difficult, what 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 would you imagine? Just in, in, in your wildest dreams, how many musicians on stage would it take to create <laughs> Joe Bailey? You know, would you be at a keyboard or on bass? What, 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 what is that kind of, you know, vision in your head, no matter how realistic or unrealistic? In an ideal world, I would have a full orchestra and choir behind me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, oh, I, I, 
I would most definitely be on the bass. Um, I, I, I feel more comfortable on the bass, certainly if I was singing at the same time. It, it just, it just, it falls into my fingers far better than playing guitar and singing does. Yeah, um, I would probably have the usual two, two guitarists, a keyboard player, a sick drummer, mm -hmm. and then, yeah, like I said, <laughs> symphony orchestra and a choir guy. <laughs> nice. Go for it. <laughs> oh, until you have to pay all those people. That's wonderful. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll just have a backing track then. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to. I couldn't, couldn't do it without the orchestra. It wouldn't, it wouldn't sound right, I don't think. You know, there are acts and muse comes to mind and certain things have to be programmed and it's a reality for all sorts of musicians. So. Yeah. You, you have flex. Let's say you have options. The technology is at your fingertips. I'm, I'm curious how you feel about some of that stuff. Um, actually, all, everybody, uh, but Joe specifically, because, you know, like Ken said, there are, there's a lot of musicians that will, will do that, will do a lot of pre-recording. And one person that comes to mind for me, particularly in the last year or so, is Devin Townsend. He's been doing a lot of performances where, um, over the years, where he shows up with a full-on backing track and just stands there with his guitar and performs like he just released he just released some videos where he's performing entire albums where he's like gone back and re re reprogrammed the backing tracks and he's just like on his back patio uh you know like you know rocking out and um and it's it's kind of unusual it's kind of an interesting thing however it would be a it would be a way to do it so i'm 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 curious, Joe, what you think, and obviously, uh, you know, my Palaver colleagues, I'm curious to your thoughts about this. I think what, what Devin Townsend's been doing is, has been thoroughly enjoyable. He, he's, he's such a talented human being, and just to be on his own and do a performance like that is just out of this world. Like, those quarantine sessions he did were fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, he had his little Xbox controller can, uh, <laughs> doing the camera angles. It was amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I like, I like the, well, you know, if, if, if you go and see a live band, if you, if you're a fan of that band and they have that sort of aspect to their music, then I think, I think you need to be present in the, in the live setting, regardless of whether it's being performed live or not. I know you see bands that, you know, there's six people on stage. I know they're all playing things. I can see that they're playing things. So if there's other sounds in the background, I'm happy for them to be there if it enhances the performance. I will say back in the early 90s, I was in a, a trio getup where we had sequences playing. And this was before the proliferation of laptops and, and whatnot. So we were literally carrying a full-on CPU with us to every gig, setting it up. And the band came to a screeching halt one night when the CPU crashed right before a show. And we, we had oh, nothing. God. <laughs> this was, was a very lonely tall? night on stage Paul, was that during the gig yes it was right before the gig so we've had to do the oh. gig without our little our little uh and there were moments where it was just the sequence playing like there'd be these keyboard things and we would all just be kind of getting ready so it was a very very tough and <laughs> career-ending uh show for that particular get get up paul that was 10 <laughs> feet tall right yes it was yeah yes it was you know i i don't have a necessarily a problem with that you know as long as it's very upfront about what's happening and you know if if it's if it's something worth seeing or hearing you know that's all cool because i mean that line is so blurred anyway think about mm. um 
you know, I, I think about the, the the purest days of when we were young, right? But we go to see Queensryche perform Operation Mindcrime live, and obviously that whole thing had, you know, the whole Sweet Sister Mary vocals were all, yeah. you know, recorded, and 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 so you had something that was so heavy, so raw, so pure, so wonderful, and yet it had this very integrated component in there, and so it's like, but that was freaking awesome right yeah so yeah, yeah it was i think if it, if it enhances the live show then I, why not as long as as long as there's no trickery or there's no cheating on happening with the musicians that are on stage then yeah it's fine by me so that's what i'd like maybe like to see joe uh before the end of summer uh <laughs> in the studio with the bass uh playing bass and singing and performing uh and performing ghosts it's not a bad idea <laughs> i'll have a think about it <laughs> oh that's wonderful that would be great yeah, that'd be great yeah 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 just one track do a pilot program just for us we'll, we'll run it by the record label we'll get them on board it'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> that's great all right so uh, you know i guess you know what's what's next for for joe bailey obviously we have the the cd pre-order coming up and you know we'll uh you know, I'm, my guess is this episode is going to come out very close to support of that. And um, I just recently this week got my vinyl version of the latest Project Gemini. So that's very cool. But what after that, what what happens with Joe Bailey? What's next? Hey, um, so, yeah, once the CD's done, we've got the second Dark Monarchy album, which yes. is, yay. <laughs> it's, all, it's all mixed and mastered, ready to go. So we're looking to release the first single around mid-June. That was the idea. Holy cow. And then, yeah. Uh, and then the album in July. I don't know whether I should be saying this, you know. It'll kill me, won't he? Well, <laughs> we, can, we can ask him. <laughs> <laughs> a little teaser, that's all. Yeah, a little, little yeah. teaser. Nothing wrong. Yeah, it's just, just an estimate. It's nothing, nothing set in stone. So sometime midsummer sometime midsummer roughly just before or just after you do your solo performance from your studio that's right, right. <laughs> yeah okay sometime this year <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, later down the line i'll be doing a, a second xylem album i don't know if you've if you've heard of xylem that's a project that i have with steve who we was talking about before it's like a sort of atmospheric electronic rock band sort of thing we did we did our first album together a few years back but we're talking about doing a follow-up writing a follow-up this year so that, that that'll be in the works for probably next year and my next album is already written awesome mm -hmm. <laughs> not surprised to hear this <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um i finished it about, about two or three days ago so it's two or three days ago <laughs> yeah it was because all the songs are written I finished the last song for it last week and I just needed to do the um, orchestral intro and outro. Mm. It's a very, very grandiose album. It's a um, concept album. So it's, yes, wow. it's very good. It's, it's a bit heavy, like, a bit heavier than um, the other stuff. <laughs> it's very, um, it's a concept album about um, serial killer, H.H. H. Holmes. Wow. Okay. Doc documents his life and then his demise so yeah wow. joe bailey with the heavy <laughs> teasers here this is, and, and is that a band camp uh, available on Bandcamp? 
it will it will be um, eventually okay. um, I, I haven't done any of the recordings yet um, I've been programming the orchestra and the keys as, as I go along but I haven't done any recording okay. so to speak so it, right. it'll so, probably be okay. early next year I reckon it'll be next year it'll be next year yeah perfect yeah. Yes. Well, well I mean, why on. wait till next year? Why don't you get it out? You know, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. See if you can four quarter. In. You know, that way you've got you know three releases this year. Four if you get the Xylem thing out, that'd be perfect, <laughs> man. <laughs> why not? It'll make up for the for not releasing the solo album last year. Exactly. <laughs> right. Twenty twenty. Don't worry about it. I got you in twenty twenty one. It'll be perfect. I'll, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, um, you know, we here at the Plaver would, would definitely like as much Joe Bailey as we can get. So this all sounds very exciting. Can't wait for all of this. And my guess would be that we'll have you back on at some point here in the not too distant future to talk about one or more of these projects. Very exciting. I'm, I'm presuming I'm going to be a part of the the next project, Jam and Arm as well. The, uh, the final oh, chapter. Oh, right. Book three, right? You've got to. Yeah. A- you, you got to finish out the story, the right? Roll. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll be worried if you're not. I'll be. <laughs> yeah, so will I. <laughs> Joe, thanks. It's always uh, fun talking with you, and thanks for uh, sharing some details about this. And uh, congratulations, and you know, good luck and continued success, man. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. Stellar work, mate. Keep it up. <laughs> thanks, Ken. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, so Joe Bailey, thank you very much for your time here today. This was, <laughs> this was awesome. Ken is now, um, are you going to sit at the kit, Ken, or what? <laughs> just, no. just showing off. <laughs> but uh, we, we very much enjoyed, um, you know, getting inside your head a little bit, understanding about this very cool um, release. Very much look forward to the um, to the actual CD release. And so I will be sure to get on to the pre-order for that and we'll wait patiently um, for whenever that's going to arrive. And again, we look forward to talking to you in, in the probably relatively near future about all these other exciting projects. So thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. It's been great, man. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you, and we look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We are at ProgPala on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver, or you can email us. Our email address is progpala at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcast. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time. Thanks for listening.